0: Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. We thank you that we can rejoice that you are both with us and for us. Please help us to grow in our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I open up my email at this time of year, it's not going to be very long before I see the subject line, Adam, great news. The moment that you have been waiting for has finally arrived. Here is your 2022 year in review. You know how it goes, don't you? So here is your year in books or your year in sport or your year in music or your year in photos, your year in, well, whatever. There seems to be no shortage of the ways in which our lives can be tallied, weighed, counted, quantified, visualized, and described with great excitement. And actually, I think, if we're honest, we kind of love it. I mean, who doesn't want to know all the books that you've read this year, or what songs you've been listening to, or how far you have run, swum, or cycled, or what your most popular photos are? And though when we see all this data before us, it might just cause us a little bit of a concern for a moment of how much we're sharing out there, My hunch is that we're happy to suspend that worry because when we see all of this wrapped up, it taps into this connection we draw between what we've done and who we are. The spotlight is on us. It can be so validating. We can think, yeah, you know what? I am living my best life. I am of worth. Yes, I do have purpose. But actually, there's a profound problem. If who we are and the value of our lives boils down is dependent upon a mere list of what we've accomplished, then actually that's kind of crushing. Christmas invites us into a wonderfully different story, a wonderfully different story about our world, a wonderfully different story about our lives. Because Christmas begins not with who we are, but who God is. Not what we have done, but what God has done. Christmas celebrates God with us and God for us. That's the story we're invited into at Christmas. That's the story you're invited into. So the first part of that is God with us. When we read the historical account of jesus's birth in the gospel of luke that which we just heard when we hear it on the surface it can actually sound pretty ordinary in many ways sure at one level when the head honcho of the roman empire calls for a census in the entire roman world there's no doubt that that would have caused a bit of chaos of people are frantically dispatched to go back to the towns of their father's line but listen again. To how ordinary the context of this birth actually is or appears. So Joseph went up, went also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the Bethlehem, the town of David. So that's the travel log, because he belonged to the house and line of David. That's the family ancestry. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There's no red carpet rolled out. They make the journey. They have trouble finding a place to stay. You know, they don't even have a perfectly styled nursery This would be an Instagram disaster nowadays. But despite how gritty, ordinary, and real this account seems, Luke wants us to make no mistake that in contrast to this seemingly ordinary context, this is in fact no ordinary baby. Here here again, the birth announcement of the angel to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's quite a CV. Saviour, Messiah and Lord. Saviour means that this is the one who will enact the ultimate rescue. Messiah means that this is the king who will be enthroned with ultimate rule. Lord means that this is God, this is the one who holds ultimate authority. Saviour, Messiah, Lord. The ultimate rescue, the ultimate rule, and the ultimate authority. Luke wants us to understand that God is bursting into our world. Fully human and fully God. It seems like Caesar is calling all the shots, but it's actually Jesus who is ultimately in charge the gospel of john sums it up like this the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us this is not the son abandoning being god this is not the son dressing up merely masquerading and pretending to be a human this is not the son toggling a switch between god mode and human mode And when we look at Jesus, we see the one who is both fully human and fully God with us. I found it so remarkable this year, as the James Webb Space Telescope has come online and been calibrated and started to send images back for us to see of this this remarkable imagery into deep space pointing to the very beginnings of our universe but when we look at the manger when we look at jesus we see the one who brought all that into being and holds everything together we see that this is the one who has plunged himself not only into our world but into our very existence as humans. We see the evidence of that all throughout the gospels of the early accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Jesus was born, grew up, lived, suffered and died. Jesus cried, laughed, sang, spoke, ate, drank and slept. Jesus knew grief, joy, and sorrow. Jesus knows what it's like in rejoicing and struggles and pain and facing temptation. It really is the most remarkable news, for it means that God is not distant, but has drawn near. And when we go to him, as he invites us to, we find the one who is able to sympathise with us in every way. But because he is also God, it means that he's also uniquely qualified to help us. We're invited, you're invited into a relationship with the one who's both human and God himself. This is not just a cutesy story set amidst a logistically problematic census. If we hear all these claims, we think, well, these are pretty ho-hum claims and just want to pass it over. And actually that must mean we've missed really just how weighty the claims of who jesus really are you might be here today or joining us online and count yourself as a follower of jesus you might be here today or joining us online and really you're not sure what you think about jesus but whatever the case i really want to encourage you to think about how do you relate to him how do you relate to the one who is both fully human and fully God. If you push aside his humanity or push aside his divinity, it will fundamentally distort your relationship with him. So if you emphasise his divinity, pushing aside his humanity, you're going to be left feeling that God is unapproachable. How can I, as an imperfect human being possibly come before a holy God? You'll be left feeling that God is unknowable. How can I possibly relate to God who seems so distant and so far removed? You'll be left feeling that God is unrelatable. How can God possibly understand what it's like for me? But on the other hand, if you emphasize Jesus' humanity and push aside his divinity that he's God... You might merely think of him as a long-gone teacher or spiritual guru or all-round nice guy, as best an optional extra he might make for a nice assistant or a life coach, but certainly not someone who commands the entire authority over our lives and the universe. But when you see that Jesus is clearly God with us, human and God, we discover the one We can both know and love, we discover the one, the only one who can do what we most need. That because He is human and God, He has redeemed us, He makes us new, He saves us along with all creation. Jesus is God with us, but He's also God for us. That's the second part of the Christmas story that we're invited. Into. So here again from verse 11, but the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying," glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. There's no doubt if you try to think back to that scene in the dark, removed from the town, as the shepherds are out there and the angel appears, it must have given them a massive fright that night when that angel appeared. We often think of angels as cutesy, fluffy, winged, sort of creatures, but in the Bible, angels are almost always described and depicted as, as mighty warriors of God. But note that as this angel appears, he bears good news. He says, do not be afraid. Note both the content of that good news, but also the audience of that good news. So note first the content of the good news, well, it all centres on Jesus. It's all about him, that he is the Savior, Messiah, and lord the shepherds they wouldn't have known how that was going to be lived out yet they believed they also had no idea of how jesus the child who was also god would fulfill what it means to be savior and king but we do god's people at the time and for centuries that had preceded had longed and waited for god to send the ultimate king but what we find in jesus is not simply the one who would rule for a season, but rule forever. And the one who would not merely rescue from the tyranny of an earthly kingdom, but the one who would rescue from the tyranny of sin and death. This is a comprehensive peace that can be known as we put our trust in him. It can be known now for us on earth. That's what Jesus achieved on the cross and in his resurrection. That's why it's good news that causes great joy. That's the content of the news, good news, but look again at the intended audience. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So hear that. No one is excluded. The invitation is open to all. Not only to every person, but for all in every situation. Now, so often, Christmas is described as a magnifier. If the year has been shaped and characterized by hard things, then often that sadness and struggle is, is magnified and really pervades, intensified at Christmas. If the year has been shaped and characterized by things going well, then often it's our happiness that is magnified at Christmas. But when we respond, when we enter into the good news of God with us and God for us, we're invited to take the good and the bad and everything in between and plunge that into Jesus because he has plunged himself into our world. We can be safe to do that. We can trust him with all that we are because he has held nothing back in making himself vulnerable to us. I wonder if you do that this Christmas. Take it all to Jesus. When we do that, what we'll find is that when we come to him with all the hard things, not only will we find his comfort and his presence, but we'll also find the great consolation that this is not how the story ends. And when we do that with the, the good things, what we find is that it rightly pushes us into thanks. It also helps us. It prevents us from making those good things idols from becoming gods that become our ultimate source of meaning, security and purpose. The point is, wherever we're at, whatever has happened, we're invited right now to come to him. As I said, we're, we're bombarded this time of year with so many types of year in review, but I wonder how has your year with God been? If in your inbox it showed up, said, this is your year with God review, what would it say? Perhaps you'd say, well, actually, I think it'd be pretty blank. There's really not much to report at all. Maybe you'd say, actually, it's been a bit flaky. I've found it really difficult, my relationship with God. I felt really distant from God this year. Or... Possibly, with thanks, you'd say, actually, I think, in God's great kindness, have been growing in relationship with him this year. Whatever the case, the good news is that Christmas is not a scorecard. Christmas is a celebration of the greatest gift, that we can find our ultimate purpose, meaning, and future. We can find forgiveness, life, and love in living relationship with God, not in who we are or what we've accomplished, but through the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished. We find that in the one who is God with us and God for us. Now, I reckon there's probably already been some presents opened already today, maybe even earlier today, But I wonder that as you open some more presents today or even the days to to come, that every time you look at one of those gifts, every time that you open one of those gifts, that you'd not only be mindful, that you'd be reminded of the greatest gift that has been given to us in Jesus. But the way that we take hold of that gift, the way we unwrap that gift, is to rejoice in him. Trust in him as Lord. The one who is author of all has written himself into our story forever. Will you receive that gift? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in your great kindness that we can celebrate the truth that Jesus is, both with us and for us. Please help us this Christmas, but also as we look toward next year, to really be growing in relationship with you. I particularly pray for anyone here today who's not really sure what they think of Jesus. Lord, would you please be at work that their curiosity would grow, that they would explore those questions and really come to delight in your love and the saving knowledge of your son. Lord, please help us to rejoice this Christmas. God with us and God for us. In Jesus' name, amen.